0: what is, I think the question for everyone is just what is necessary? You know, is it really necessary for us to have these animals confined to such small spaces? And for me, it's all about what is natural. You know, we take them out of their natural environment.
1: Hi, Jay. How are you?
0: Doing great. Thank you for having me on today. I'm super excited.
1: Yes, welcome to Transatlantic Conversations, the podcast that bridges the divide between ignorance and understanding. Unfortunately, my co-hosts, Lucy balzano and Maria Laki, are out there in San Diego fighting the man out there raising awareness protesting and taking down the oppressors so I'm very proud of them but today it's just going to be you and me how does that sound
0: that sounds like more than enough
1: yes so I was uh I had some I had some lunch today and I actually they were (laughs) frozen Michelin's uh pizza rolls and I got to thinking to myself I'm like I kind of got a little tummy ache after I ate it and I thought to myself I'm like hmm maybe I shouldn't eat that (laughs) <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, I really probably shouldn't eat that. It was like really spongy and just like really gross processed meats. And like, I was like, damn, I should be KFO what I eat. <laughs> I
0: was, that, was that pun intended or no pun
1: intended? <laughs> oh, so very much intended, KFO. Yeah. So, Jay, tell us a little bit about what, what uh, KFO means.
0: Uh, basically, a CAFO is a concentrated animal feeding operation, uh, what most people would refer to as a factory farm.
1: <laughs> uh, that is, we've learned, uh, we, we, we've we heard a lot about factory farms in the last decade, but unfortunately, it seems like these documentaries came out, all this stuff happened, the awareness came out, the impossible is out right now, but it's like the fires, this is, like where's it going? It's like, it's, it's it's getting it's it's losing its limelight and, and the importance of what we're doing seems to be fading and i i can't have we can't have that happen because this yeah. is crucial to our survival is coming to an under uh, cultivating uh an awareness of the animal injustices that are happening on this planet and there is the the cruelest injustice on this planet is what is happening to animals yeah so you actually have a book and this is how we met we met back in uh Earth Day, actually, back in April out there in uh, Cincinnati, Tri-State area at an Earth Day festival. And you were promoting your new book, Sentient. Tell yes. me a little bit about what Sentient is.
0: I sure is. will. Thank you. Um, Sentient is a dystopian book, um, science fiction. It, If you think about Hunger Games, mm-hmm. um, it is the first book in a trilogy. <gasps> so that's super exciting. I know. I love it. I've been working on it for eight years. Basically what it is about is it's about three characters whose lives are very negatively impacted by one single corporation that is an animal agribusiness industry. And I I say that lightly when I say that their lives are negatively affected. I mean, they're very, very, very impacted. The whole country and the nation, since this is dystopian, it takes place in the future. And at this point, Um, You know, this corporation um, has just wreaked havoc on our climate. And it's a lot of what I think could happen to our nation if we keep going the way that we're going, especially with regard to the climate, but also it addresses, of course, um, some animal rights issues. Um, so and, let's put it in
1: perspective. Like you're you're speaking in like since like a developing corporation, something like a like a Monsanto type of um, yes. overarching mm-hmm. like uh, monopoly on like seeds or animals.
0: Um, on animals specifically. So, but what has happened in this book in particular is that in the past there was actually a terrorist attack that occurred on the soil in the United States. And when I say the soil, I mean literally got into the soil and into the water. So that farms, natural family farms, could not function. You couldn't actually continue to grow food because this certain type of oxygen—it's actually called um, oxygen eleven—that if this were to actually get released into the soil, um, it causes that kind of damage. That it's poisonous. You can't—you can't get that into your system. So eventually, what happened is that this particular corporation. Um, had to start improvising, right? I mean, we're kind of already doing this as far as lab-grown foods, lab-grown meats. So they had to really turn the focus towards lab-grown food, underground-grown food. And so the concept of things kind of being natural in this book and in the series has kind of withered away. It's more, everything's very industrial. Um, The family farm has gone extinct. Um, People have been forced, so to speak, to move into cities near um, water supply, but also where they can more easily access jobs. Um, And they couldn't, suburbs suburbs and, and farms and rural areas just couldn't survive. Um, and do, so we, what
1: we're- do, do you see a, do we see a parallel today with, with that resurgence of like plant-based processed foods to do, now in your book? Cause I'm thinking in my mind, I'm trying to understand, you know, what we're seeing. And so I'm like, okay, so I could see now in our time, plant-based companies or, or, or process companies saying, Hey, we have fake meat. We're not going to use, uh, but they're, you know, it's like, I then think of like, what do they call that? Soylent green where then like they're lying to you and Uh, so i can i can imagine them doing really creepy fucked up stuff where they're like yeah we're using plants but like they're still using animals but it's because of the soil depletion where they actually don't have access to any of that and i i don't know if that's what it is but it's getting my imagination active and i love that that's what we're supposed to do
0: yeah. Yeah. So no, um, really what's happening. That's more of the mystery that I, I can't go. I don't want to go.
1: Oh, it's a mystery.
0: Oh, the mystery of the story that I don't want to give away is that Ooh. it's not so much that, um, plants are, are, you know, or that they're lying and saying, you know, this is the food that you're eating. Um, but it's actually something else. It's not like that at all. It's more whether or not, There is some speculation as to whether or not the terrorist attack was really a terrorist attack um, or not. Um, And that's more of the speculation, but it's more so that because people have moved into cities, they're even further, and this is something that's true now, is that they're becoming further and further removed from the animals that are being used for food. So they don't actually see, and we don't see um, these capos of. factory farms we don't see what's happening to the animals and so there's that cognitive dissonance so it's more about the things that remain hidden but kind of in plain sight we know animals are being used for food but we we it's easy to continue to allow that because we are not um we're not faced with it i mean even these days we can watch the news and we see horrible things happening in the ukraine but i think it was i think it was the movie um what was the film um, about genocide, Hotel Rwanda, where okay. a reporter in the I'm kind of going around, but this is basically what I'm trying to say is there was a reporter in the movie that said something like, Look, people back in America will see the news about what's happening here in the genocide. But honestly, what they're gonna do is they're gonna go back to their dinner tables, they're gonna sit down, they're gonna eat dinner, they're gonna turn off the TV, and they're gonna go on with their lives. And what he was trying to point out is that, yes, there's this awful genocide happening in Rwanda, but people in America are so far removed, they don't do anything about it. So what happens is we're so far removed from what's happening to these animals day in and day out every day for, I mean, centuries that we don't make any, you know, we don't make any significant changes.
1: Do you think it's effective for protesters of uh, or advocates and activists of of the of the animal rights movement to go into grocery stores and hold signs up of, of bloody cows and and and, and murdering uh, pigs and and screaming in, in in children's faces saying this is not okay and your parents are murderers? Because no. we've seen videos like that, and we want to know what ways can we advocate without alienating those, you know, those, those, those hunters. I mean, how are we going to talk to those that shoot deer? And I mean, and then do you find anything wrong? Now, let me ask you that. Are you 100% uh, plant-based where like no consumption of animal whatsoever? And if so, do you think that is something that can be adopted planetarily?
0: So to answer that question, I'm going to break it down a little bit. In the United States, unless you choose to live off the grid, um, it is nearly impossible to be 100% vegan. So for example, I have a vehicle. There are things in the tires and the rubber in the vehicle that were made that I we know have animal product in it. I know I have to have a vehicle to get around. I've put my money into that vehicle. Anytime we put our Money into something, we are basically saying that that's okay. So going back to like protesters, people going into the stores and saying things, you know, my my thing is just pay attention to what you're putting your money into and where your money is going. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, yes, my diet is 100% vegan, plant based. Um, I would say at this point, 90% of the products that I use are plant-based. No animal products. No um, anything that's you know cruel cool to animals. I'm not perfect. There are one or two products I continue to use um, that I, for example, I'm aware um, are still tested on animals. So I have to do my best, and we all have to do our best. So when talking to people, it's about you know, if you want to make a change, what's something you could do that you feel like you can do your best, you know? And I think that that's the non-threatening way is, is just, you know, just do something that you feel like you can do. Um, you know, for a lot of people, if that's giving up, just giving up beef, I mean, that's huge, you know, especially for our environment, you know, I mean, just going vegetarian, I mean, we have to have a right to choose. You know, I don't have exact statistics or percentages on this, but, you know, a majority of the planet is plant based. If you think about smaller islands, you think about New Zealand, other parts of the world um, are plant based, but there are parts of the world where they do rely on the land. They do rely on animals. I mean, we think about um, Iceland, you know, fishing is a huge part of their culture but I don't live in Iceland, so I don't need to do that. Um, So do I think that the world could eventually become plant-based? Of course I do. Um, Do I think that that is necessary in every case? I don't have, it's like, I don't have that answer. What I would love to see is the least amount of harm possible to every being on this planet. What is, I think the question for everyone is just, what is necessary? You know, is it really necessary for us to have these animals confined to such small spaces? And for me, it's all about what is natural. You know, we take them out of their natural environment and we put them in an environment that is unsafe for them, unhealthy for them. It's really not to service to them at all. It's not about like cooperation, right? it's important to cooperate with nature. So it's one thing to cooperate with nature um, and utilize nature. It's another thing where it's like, I'm gonna take masses of animals, pack them into a capo and utilize them just for the purpose of dairy. It It doesn't benefit them at all. And so that becomes an animal rights issue. They are not benefiting from this whatsoever.
1: I think one of I think one of the things we could do, not not to interrupt, there is I think adding an amendment to the Constitution that incorporates the environment and animals as mm-hmm. as having their own rights now that will be very hard to do because they cannot even provide basic health care to the american people Mm -hmm. let alone thinking that we're going to get them to provide rights to the environment they're going to say oh grass you were going to give rights to grass that's what they'll say i know
0: i know well and you know like new zealand um animals it is actually a law that animals are included as people they are now uh labeled as people in new zealand but it's in New Zealand, they can get away with that, so to speak. In the United States, you know, we can't even come to an agreement on most things. So um, coming to, and, you know, sentient definitely goes into that a little bit, not so much in the first book, but in the second book, there will be a little bit about, you know, how do we even respond to this? What is the answer? How do we try to help animals? But also acknowledge that there are people who don't want their rights taken away as far as, well, I don't, you know i don't want to stop eating a burger i don't want to stop but i guess it's like it's like this okay there's the COVID 19 pandemic you know we all agreed to cooperate in wearing masks right because we learned that wearing masks could help reduce the risk of spreading it to others and from us getting it from others right so there was a cooperation So a majority of us, I think it's fair to say, have agreed to cooperate in wearing masks. Some people have chosen not to do that. That is their choice. Um, And I don't shame anyone for choosing that. And at the same time, we have to consider, we we are world and global citizens, right? It's not just about, I'm not an individual, it's not about me, it's about my neighbors, it's about my community, it's about my family, and then it's about the whole world. So thinking of myself as a citizen of the world, I choose to go get a vaccine because science has said, getting this vaccine will help reduce the spread of COVID-19. And then we've seen that that has been true, right? Numbers are changing, more and more people are getting vaccinated. Life is able to kind of move on as a result. You know, I've gotten my booster, yada, yada. I chose to do that to cooperate with the rest of the world and to put myself aside and go, I think this is best for the greatest good. I feel the same way about veganism, that this is for the greatest good, that I'm okay. I'm not losing anything by giving up food that I can't eat anymore because that's not even really true. I can eat pretty much whatever I want. It's just a vegan version, a plant-based version. Right but i'm not losing anything and it's not about me it's about reducing cruelty and so if i can do that in my world and and be a better citizen by choosing to just give up bacon i'm going to give up bacon
1: now when we're when we're talking about that we're looking at you know this is a It is a part of our history, you know, consuming meat. And so when we have that conversation with someone and we say, hey, you know, we want to cut back now what are you what do you say in response to the lack of b12 the lack of vitamins you having to take supplements uh and someone would say well if you have to take supplements then you're not eating right you should be eating the foods that provide those things and then the foods that are that do provide some of those things the process in which it takes to get it to us is literally it, cruelly insane yeah and and so what do you so how do you address some of those those concerns that you know Jimbo down there on the, the corner with his big old 451 and, and, and the, the barbecue pit going. How are we, how do you have that conversation?
0: Um, I would only have the conversation if they were open to it. Otherwise I wouldn't have the conversation at all because I'm about relationship building. And if they're not ready for that conversation, I'm not going to have it with them.
1: So if they um, are ready, what would you, how would we, we well, get, I
0: would say, um, look, I get the same, I get my protein from the same place your animals get their protein. Hmm. So how would I be lacking if I'm getting my protein from the same place that your animals are getting their protein? We see how um, they're doing. I don't take a B12 supplement. I have been vegan for, this July will be nine years.
1: Wow, that's incredible.
0: Um, And I'm doing fine. I had my labs drawn last October. I get my labs drawn every year. Um, All my levels were normal aside from my iron. Now I have reproductive organs. I have this wonderful thing that happens every single month where I lose blood. I do have to take an iron supplement. It is not because of my diet. It is because unfortunately I have, well, we won't go into it if I need to say anything more than this monthly thing that happens. I take iron for that, but I only take it for two weeks out of every month. Otherwise I'm fine. I take vitamin D because I think it helps my mood. So we take supplements for other things anyway, right? I would rather take a supplement than have an animal suffer. So as far as protein goes, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, as far as health is concerned, every one of our bodies is different and we all have different blood types. Um, and we all have our own internal ecosystem. It just so happens that my ecosystem does very well on a vegan diet. I'm not here to dispute that it might not be for everyone. You know, my mom, for example, she's not a vegan. She knows what I do. She reads my stuff. She's my number one fan. Um, does she acknowledge that she has cognitive dissonance? Yes. However, her concern is that she has um, some health issues she's not confident that she could go fully vegan. I'm not gonna try to make my mom go fully vegan. She has to find that out for herself. We all have to decide for ourselves what does that mean though she can reduce beef? Yes, yeah, she could do that. And does she feel better? Yes. So, you know, as far as where to get protein, we do have to watch, it is important if someone were to go vegan, to watch their blood, um, to get their labs done, to make sure everything's okay. But as far as protein, um,
1: Oh, there's plenty of protein to be found. There's we we know the science has shown that the protein is available. There's beans, legumes. There is even the plant-based products that they're that they're now manufacturing provide us
0: the supplement for that. The only other thing I was going to add is that we just have to acknowledge that the USDA is in control of our food pyramid, and they're the ones that are telling us how much protein we should have, and it's and it's um it's a question of well, who's really telling us where we need to be getting our food from. And we know that it is food corporations that are a part of making these decisions, a part of the USDA. Well, they, they,
1: they lobby the politicians.
0: That's what I mean. I don't, I'm not going to make decisions about my health. I mean, if, again, it's thinking about, you know, it's my body. Um, I'm going to make the best decisions for my body. I've had no issues being vegan for nine years. I've been been healthier. I've had more energy. I've had, I mean, I just feel great. And I felt consistently great. And, you know, so yes, if I need to take a supplement, I may have to do that. But we also know, again, if you are diabetic, there are certain supplements that are going to work for you. If you are um, depressed, again, there are certain supplements that are going to be good for you. So it's not just about why I don't want to go vegan because why would I do that? And then I'm going to have to take vitamins. It's like, but you might have to take vitamins anyway. Your doctor might still tell you, you're know, you having issues with this and I would recommend a medication or a supplement. I'd rather take a, a, a supplement than find out that I have to be medicated because I have diabetes, I have high blood pressure, I have high cholesterol because I'm eating meat and dairy. My doctor told me, you have the best cholesterol of any patient I've ever had. Do you know why that is? It's because I don't eat dairy.
1: That's great. <laughs> that now...
0: Conversations that I would have with someone. I'm healthy. I don't know what else people want to know.
1: <laughs> now, Michael, now, author Michael Pollan of The Omnimover's Dilemma and In of Food has this quote that I... I find to be the most suitable for uh, the American public, which is real food, mostly plants and not too much, because that doesn't say don't eat plant. That doesn't say don't eat meat. That says just eat mostly plants. And on that Friday, you know, once a month, you have, you know, you want to have your, your uh, you know, and, and if we can make sure that it's grass fed beef, because the science has shown, Well, we know cow. It's not even science. Cows eat grass. They don't eat. They don't eat soy. They don't eat corn. They don't eat that, that processed crop. They eat grass. And if they're not fed grass, then there's no point in even getting hand-me-down meat. That's, that's hand-me-down protein is what, is what that would be really, because it's, it lacked nutritious value at that point, being so processed with all of the, the hormones and chemicals. In fact, check me if I'm wrong, like, you know, but, uh, it is it's so you know real food mostly plants not too much but then we get into the question of like well what is real food what is at in 2022 what is what is real food and then he goes in to say well if your grandma wouldn't recognize it then then don't eat it and it's like okay well now which grandma though are we talking like six like it's like no you're a great great grandma and it's like it's getting complicated and yeah. and and then and then you bring in the nutrition the nutrition uh industry and the the healthy fads and the, the the marketing that they use and then the manipulations from the the food corporations the big the big meat industries the dairy industry the dairy counts the cheeses it's and then they're intertwined with the academic industry and then that's tied into the the government and there it's all influencing policy and that's getting into the schools and now a pizza is classified as a vegetable because it right. just has enough tomato in it to be cla- and that is horrid
0: i know I know it's so fascinating, you know, again that cycle right it's just like a vicious cycle and it, it, it permeates, it permeates every part of our culture, and and everything that we are about, which is why I think it is such a divisive issue. You know when you ask well what what would you do if you talked to Joe over here at the barbecue. You have to be careful. It is a divisive issue. You know, people are very sensitive about it because it is a lot to do with identity. And, and so much of our identity is wrapped up in, in the food that we eat, right? So that's that's the bacon, that's the hamburger, you know, the classic American diet of you know, beef. And, and we don't want that identity threatened. Of course not. You know, nobody, I don't want my identity as a non-binary person to be threatened. So, I, you know, you have to approach it with a form of gentleness that, you know, we're all on this planet and that's what we have in common, right? Is that we are all earthlings. It's just what can we do um, to ensure that not only us, but our grandkids and great grandkids can still be here and thrive? That's the question. It's not like all of my friends are vegan, you know, and everything like that. It's like, I've got really great, most of my friends are not vegans. Um, And, you know, they're great human beings, compassionate, loving, wonderful human beings. They make their choices, they make their decisions right on what they do. And I think they're lovely humans. So it's also like each of us just finding the balance that's right for our health, that's right for our lives, that would at least reduce harm in any capacity. That might mean, well, I reduce harm by living this life, but yes, I still do eat animals. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's like just becoming aware enough and cognizant enough about how can I reduce harm in my own inner life first, you know, internally, and I do feel like, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh of course talked about this. Ah. We, we start with ourselves and we reduce harm internally. And then we start, and then it spreads to reducing harm in the family and increasing love in the family. And then and then that kind of expands out to our local community. And then eventually, you know, that that radiates out. And then we do start making different decisions and thinking differently, I think. Not everybody. I'm generalizing when I say, you know, I do think that that causes people to think a little bit differently about a kind of worldview of how are my decisions impacting the rest of the world? And really, yeah, I do think just believing that if I make different decisions, it does impact the whole world. It does impact the whole planet. And I mean, positively, coming back to that positive message of Again, if I make different decisions, I could really change animals' lives or I could really change our lives, change my own life, and then save someone else's.
1: I think one of the first things we could do is make a decision to cultivate self compassion within ourselves. Because if we can become uh, in commune with our heart and understand the dynamics of our emotions and, and what triggers us, we can. Get an awareness of that and when we can become aware of ourselves then our minds can open up to the awareness of the injustices that we as a species face along with our animals and this planet
0: i think so yep
1: and i think one of the solutions to our problems could be very uh could 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 i think i think a solution that could lead to many other solutions would to Mark down on our calendars July 12th for an Amazon exclusive ebook release of your book, Sentient. Yes. J. Please. Lewis Van Landingham. Yes. Their book is going to be released hardback or paperback copy in sometime in the fall, right?
0: Correct. That's correct. Very exciting.
1: So we start, we start there July 12th an Amazon exclusive ebook release. You'll do a pre-order uh, here in the next coming weeks. And then coming this fall, we can get the paperback. So that's when I'll get to a chance. Cause I'm a, I'm a paperback woman. I, yeah, I, I am.
0: too. I'm excited. I I'm waiting for my own copy. I don't even have my own copy yet. So I'm like, when can I get my own copy of my book? I'm really excited. So yeah, I think it's going to be great. You know, there's a lot of, um, Dynamic relationships involved in this book, people who just, characters who just really care about trying to do the right thing, um, trying to make the best decisions and and aren't always successful in making the best decisions and are just experiencing really difficult situations that I think we can all relate to. Um, And so that's really, I mean, it's just the overall theme of that story is just about the importance of nature and the importance of relationships and connecting and not being so industrial that we lose sight of what's important.
1: And to get a better grasp of what's going on in that book, we can also take a look on Amazon, your ebook, The Animalist Code. Yes. And that is kind of a prelude, that is the first of the trilogy, right? The the Animalist, no?
0: No, it's completely separate. So Sentient is the first of a trilogy. And (sighs) Animalist Code is a totally separate episodic miniseries. It does take place five years prior to Sentient. It just takes place in a different part of the country. So it actually takes place here in Cincinnati. So it's a local story. It has different characters, but it's just still the same world. So it shows a little bit more background about what's happening in the world, what's happening with this terrorist attack and how things are changing in the country. You can almost think about COVID when we had the shutdown. I mean, it's this, this very similar kind of panic or, and people, again, cognitive dissonance and not really realizing like, is this really happening? And, and all the while, it's just about this character who is a social worker, who wants to be an animal rights activist. But in this culture, animal rights activists are not safe. They actually are disappearing um they are being their lives are being threatened they're being put in prison because they have got too successful at saving animals and trying to stop factory farming that they've become a threat to the industry this is something that does happen even now in the united states currently that people also are not aware of that animal rights activists are a threat it's called eco-terrorism yeah so the story very much goes into eco-terrorism as like the new communism so to speak, and it must be stopped. So this character wants to save animals, but he it's not safe for him to do that. And so eventually, you know, the FBI is kind of on his back, that even the industry is on his back and like, what is this kid doing? And then we find out he has some special powers. Um, and I won't go into any more detail about that. But there are some some parallels to being transgender. This is a transgender character, um, female to male, but there are some some co- like um, correlation of what it's like to transition into something else, um, and what how isolating that can feel. Um, bodily changes and experiencing bodily changes and being frightened of what's happening. I mean, a lot of, it goes into a lot of that stuff. So it's not just about, these stories aren't just about animal rights and about animals. So I just want to make that clear to readers. It's dystopian fiction, it's science fiction. It's about these characters who are just struggling and just trying to get by and are dealing with real internal issues that we all can, I think we all can relate to. So it's a great mini series. I love it. And I'm super excited about it. And again, people can find it and even get the first episode for free um, by joining my e newsletter, which I highly recommend because you get to get early releases, you get discounts on stuff, you get to find out new projects. Jay? Yes.
1: Lewis Van Landingham. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank
1: you for being here today. You can find their book on Amazon starting July 12th, pre-order through the link, the newsletter, find all the details and I'll yes. keep you up to date. Thank you so Thank much for being you. here today.
0: I really appreciate you. I hope you have a great one. There is a solution and it's manageable. Cause I feel like if we make it like it's so unmanageable, I think we'll just give up. I'm concerned people would just give up and I don't want people to think, this is impossible, why am I even trying?